Hello, everybody, and welcome to another action-packed episode of The Crypto Conquest, where we discuss crypto news and crypto happenings worldwide. Email us with any questions, admin at cryptoconquest.org. Send these episodes to your friends. Make sure you're getting them in on the information so that they know what's going on and so that they're aware of what's happening in the world of crypto. Subscribe to this podcast and get your friends to do the same. And we love your support. So any anything you can do, send us an email, words of encouragement, put the gifts up on the Podbean application. And with that, I'd like to welcome my co-host today, Michael. How's it going, Michael? Good, John. Doing good, doing good. We had a good uh, update on our uh, Bank Social uh, weekend update. And uh, now we get to talk more about uh, what's going on in the crypto world. General crypto news. I love it. Oops, I'm getting Oops, a little I'm getting feedback it. from you. There we go. Yeah. That sounds better. All right, there we go. That's better. So yeah, I love it. Uh, you know, we get to we get to have a little fun Sunday of crypto. So yeah, we had a great conversation on our AMA today, and one of the things we talked about, which is a good segue into one of these first topics here, Michael, was what bank social is doing to apply the right regulatory practice up front and not step into what these other people are stepping into specifically binance did you hear about what's going on with them yes yeah they uh they are requiring god knows how many uh users that they have uh you know their their total user base to kyc now yeah yeah that's a big deal i mean you, you know, for the last few weeks, really, I think maybe a month and a half, they've been getting hit up from all over the place. I mean, all, I've seen from all over the world, people have been shutting them down and it looks like you're starting to see why. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, now, you know, everybody has to be, uh, you know, KYC, which for people that don't know uh, is uh, is what know your customer. Correct. Yeah. Do you know what AML stands for? Mm, I don't. Anti-money laundering. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Anti-money laundering. Yeah. And so I actually had some uh, some interesting conversations this past week with uh, some bank social uh, things that I was doing. And I talked with a few protocols who are focused on KYC and AML, more specifically the AML side of things, because, um, you know, with crypto, it's very, it's a very interesting thing how crypto works. And when you break up coins and you break up tokens, because when you break up coins and you break up tokens, a token that maybe let's just say you had one ETH and that one ETH was run through something that gets flagged as, or was sent to somebody who was, who used it for, um, money laundering purposes, and that that particular wallet got flagged as a money laundering wallet. Okay, when that token comes back out, or a portion of that token comes back out of that wallet, it now has the fingerprint of money laundering stamped on it forever. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting to see uh, to see how these uh, protocols are going to adhere to KYC AML. And, uh, you know, but for that's, that's DeFi, that's what talking on the DeFi side. Right. But when you talk about it from like a Binance perspective, Binance, they can control who comes in, who goes out, 
you know, how they report, how they, you know, give the information. So it's definitely not something where Binance is just letting everyone and every, you know, everyone and their mom come in and transact on the protocol. That's how they're doing it now. Have you ever used Binance, Michael? Uh, I, I have an account for Binance US, but uh, no, I haven't. Uh, I just haven't actually really used it. I don't think a lot of people have used it, not for the US, the US deal. And I think that's why the CEO left last week. But yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're having to jump to KYC at AML. And that's what I was telling our bank social community today on the AMA is that we we're seeing this, we're, we're seeing this firsthand. And we definitely don't want to be on the cleaning it up after the fact, just so we can get a product out the door a little bit faster. Because really, that's all we're talking about, right, Michael? Yeah. Yeah. So we definitely aren't in the the mindset of let's just get a product out there a little bit faster and, you know, skip some of the regulatory hurdles. And that's really all they are is the, the more I the more checking, the more people I talk to, they're really just hurdles that are put in place to make sure that. And, and I think it's I think it's great personally because it brings more legitimacy to crypto, which is in the end of the day, at the end of the day, that's what we want is we want that legitimacy in crypto. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, we, we want to be something for the people. The people are happy. You hear that, Michael? The people are happy. <laughs> that's what they that's what they want, too. They want, you know, OK, you're too, a little too happy, a little too happy. All right. There you go. Calm down. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, but that's what that's what the people want. You know, the people want something that's going to be safe, that's going to be secure, that they can rely on. Um, and that's, that's really where I think crypto has to go. And so that's why for us, and I think, you know, not that this is about bank social, but just talking about bank social as an example of putting those pieces in place. Now, one of the things that I thought was interesting in these conversations I had this week, this DeFi protocol called PureFi is going to still allow, uh, allow people to remain, um, it's a very interesting concept. They're going to allow people to remain um, basically sovereign by, so let, let's give an example of how they work. So we're in exchange, either DeFi or centralized, we're in exchange and somebody wants to KYC and do AML for purposes of transacting in our ecosystem with clean, with clean funds, funds that haven't been washed funds that haven't been, you know, tied to some AML scheme. So what they do is, is they are the intermediary between this sovereign person and this exchange, whether again, it's DeFi or centralized. And then they take a snapshot and they say, okay, this person is, we've, we've identified them. We know who they are, but they give the centralized or decentralized exchange a key that just says, here's the key that you can, if you ever need to go back and verify or check that this person, but they don't tell you their name. They don't tell you they're, they're still a sovereign person. And so I'm seeing some really interesting KYC AML protocols spinning up that still keep the core of DeFi in place and keep that, uh, you know, the what everybody wants, which is the ability to remain sovereign and the ability to remain anonymous, but not in a way that they intend on doing something bad. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you want to have that, that freedom to do what you want. And uh, it, it's it's unfortunate that that some of the people do have, you know, ill intentions and what they're what they're 
money and, and transactions are being used for. And uh, that's that's a, an unfortunate part of it. What do you think about that idea, though, about this this DeFi sovereign? You could still KYC, but it, you know, it it's 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 I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's very interesting to see how they how they're going to do it um, with with you know essentially they're going to see who these people are potentially potentially and and that'll fulfill their their requirements for KYC but then it you know that person could still go and do whatever they want to go do with their their funds potentially it's how are they going to be determined that, you know who's going to determine whether this person's doing things that are bad well, let me ask you this. Do you have a problem with doing K? So Binance is being forced to do KYC AML and they're making it mandatory for all their exchange users immediately, like basically going to happen right away. You don't have any time. Well, how do you feel about the whole KYC? I mean, are you happy to do it? I'm, I'm, I'm fine to do it because I'm, <laughs> I'm not breaking the law with what my you know funds are going to. I'm not, I don't have nefarious reasons. Uh, we're doing these kinds of things, and, and so do you I, think you're? Ex- but do you think you're the exception, or do you think you're the rule in crypto? I, uh, I think, I think that I'm. I don't know. Uh, I think there are a lot of folks that don't want to do it because they are doing uh, things that may not be uh, looked upon as. Uh, legal or, or or things like that i do believe that that unfortunately there is still a lot of money that moves through crypto that is um money that governments uh, would love to have not had out there uh, oh that's scary <laughs> yeah, i think that it's i think that it's a, a, a part of you know the cryptocurrency uh, you know, crypto realm is that that there are people out there that are they're doing you know, bad things. But, but let's talk about, let's not talk about the bad people because we don't want them in no matter what, right? I mean, we don't want them part of the ego. What about the people, but, but what about the people, but but there are still, I think, the people who are on the, the maximalist line of saying, this is DeFi, it needs to remain DeFi. Like, I'm I'm not willing to do KYC. Do you think that that percentage is, is great enough to keep DeFi from moving into this forced KYC AML situation? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think so. Because I think that, uh, it, it, look at the way projects are going now. More projects that are going out there are are docs. The, you, know, you know who they are that are making these things. Uh, you know, if, if projects and things are going in that direction, then why... You know, why, why won't the users be okay with the, the, the project knowing who they are? Well, what about the, let me throw a corkscrew in here. So what about the Luna project on Solana that I talked about a couple of days ago that was completely doxxed and they took all the money and ran? And there you go. Now you know at least who you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> or who you think you're looking for. Who knows if they were actually real people. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's, uh, you know it, it is what it is that, uh, you know, Crime, uh, crime will always, you know, find a way. Yeah. 
Well, we're, we're, we're happy to talk about this today with the Binance moving to KYC and AML because it's exactly what we just got finished talking about with our community at Bank Social. I don't think we want to spend too much more time on this, but you know, KYC, AML, it looks like it's going to be a mandatory requirement for the future. Bank Social is all over it. Uh, and you know, I, I personally don't have any problem with KYC and AML. I want to use my money the way I want to. I want to take it in and out of the crypto ecosystem. And, you know, I think that this is the way I feel comfortable knowing that the people I'm transacting next to are also that way. Let's move along here to uh, Coinbase. So Coinbase voted, their board voted to invest $500 million into crypto projects. And, Michael, they're pledging 10% of all profits going forward to be given to crypto projects as well. How, what do you think about that? I think it's awesome. I, I think it's absolutely awesome. You know, it, Coinbase is a, is a crypto you know, centralized exchange uh, and an on-ramp, you know, essentially for, for people bringing, bringing money into the system. And so why shouldn't they invest it into, you know, digital projects and, and the future of the ecosystem that they exist in? So do you, you know, one thing I think I see here is I see, I see Coinbase somewhat becoming a, a Google in essence of crypto, at least in America, at least in, you know, in our part of the world. I think it's very interesting what they're doing in cementing themselves into being, I think they just launched a VC. They have a VC arm that's, Mm -hmm. uh, it's only a handful of people, but they're investing and I would, I would guess that this 500 million is going to go through that VC arm and then, you know, the 10% of all profits moving forward. But it really looks like Coinbase wants to be this accelerator VC product that, you know, is a, is an accelerant for good crypto projects that it finds. You see that? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I agree. I think they're definitely heading in the, in a direction where they are, you know, will be one of the biggest names in cryptocurrency. And, and I've, I've, I use them quite quite extensively. So I, uh, I mean, I um, I found their system to be very easy to use, and their educational, even their educational portion, uh, quite quite helpful and quite useful as, as well. So I can definitely see them taking a larger, uh, you know, share of the population of people coming to crypto, uh, and you know, informing them and providing them the the means to enter the ecosystem. Now, let me pose one. Let me pose one. Uh play devil's advocate here for a minute um most projects that get launched they get launched with with a very low amount of liquidity um you know most projects are doing some form of team tokens and you know public and pre-sale and all this kind of stuff when you have you know you have 500 million dollars into u.s crypto into crypto projects 500 million is a lot let's just say they took a million dollars and put it into 500 projects a million dollars in most projects is a significant amount of leverage over the community and so you know one thing that i see just kind of playing devil's advocate here is if you have a coinbase coming into a project the small project you know i don't think they're going to take you know for them to go in basically and take 500 million or take a portion of that and put it into Dogecoin, that doesn't do anything for Dogecoin, right? The the biggest bang 
biggest the biggest improvement they're going to make or the biggest acceleration they're going to provide are to smaller projects small caps and yeah small caps and so you know what's going to it's interesting for me to see what their strategy is going to be before i can really buy on and say okay this isn't just a way for them to go take control of a bunch of projects because i mean essentially this is going back to now it's just uh back into the vc space which that's my one the one thing i still have a little bit of a problem with in in the token space is that because it's all open source and because it's all you know on decentralized exchanges, anybody can decide to come in and drop a huge amount of cash in, especially on something that has a DAO, take a huge position in the future of that token. Yeah, yeah, it, it, is, uh, it is certainly something to consider and, and see how they plan to implement uh, the, the selection process of, of where they you know where they put their money and you know essentially support what projects are they going to go into and and how much and and yep how much and uh yeah you know, what is that going to do to the communities of those projects yeah you know i mean and and what is it going to do if they decide that for you know for whatever reason the people running the project aren't doing a good job like are they going to be the whale that makes the big splash and kills the project <laughs> you know so yeah. Very, very interesting to me how they're going to roll this out. Or are they just going to go into things like Cardano and things that really don't need it just so they can make a bigger name for themselves by saying, oh, okay, Coinbase now gives $50 million to Cardano. You know, if they're going to do that, I think it's a complete waste of money. Not specifically on Cardano. I shouldn't have said Cardano specifically. But if they're just going to pick the top 20 big caps and go give them each, you know, $2.5 million or whatever, whatever that is – there's not really a lot of value there to me per se or, or, or you know, yeah, whatever, 20 million, 25 million. I agree. I don't think that they would do that because they're, you know, their, their goal ultimately is, is to make money and it, they would not, you know, I don't think that they would make that much money going into something that already has a large cap. Well, I don't, I don't know. Shit. I mean, if you look at, let's look at where, let's look at where Ethereum was six years ago and let's look at some of these, you know, seven years ago and let's look at some of these projects that are just jumping off that are like Polygon Matic. Polygon Matic is, is quite new. It's only got, what is it? Dollar and a half, dollar 75, something like that. So if they bought up a significant position in something like a Matic and it, it did what it, what Ethereum did, I mean, that's still a valid, you know, I think that's a valid uh, use case for them to put this 500 million into or a good portion of it at least, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm interested. I want to see, I want to see what's going to happen, who they invest in first before. I, I like it. I like it. Okay. I think it's, I think it's great that they're doing this and they're setting aside money and pledging future money. It's great. But I'm really interested because to this point, I mean, you know, Coinbase has been not only selective, but almost, um, you know, they've almost been in the realm of picking winners and losers because when a, when a token gets on Coinbase, it's pretty much over for that token. I mean, when I say over, I mean, you know, it's a moonshot for that token. Like they've made it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But did they make it before or, you know, because, you know? Yeah. It, right. Probably both. Probably both, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's but, like, you know, when everybody says, you know, when, when Binance, when Coinbase. Because <laughs> everybody knows, right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody yeah. sees those as the, you know, the, the end goal. 
Yeah, everybody sees those as the end goal. And so I think it's interesting. I think we'll see um, we'll see a lot more companies start to do this. Um, I, I think that FTX has also um, started to talk about how they would pledge a significant amount of money to DeFi projects. I, I can't remember if I heard a specific amount. Maybe it was $100 million, something to that effect. Um, but this is, a, I mean, $500 million is a substantial amount of money. And... It's a substantial amount of money, and if they go into if they go into large caps, I think they're wasting, they're, they're stifling, uh, you know, it's self serving. If they go into to large caps, I think the investment is self serving, and I I don't really think it's going to do much to help the crypto ecosystem. It's just going to make the the big cryptos bigger, and that's not what DeFi is about. Not not in my perspective. That's not what DeFi is about. But if they take that and they spread it out to a bunch of smaller projects, you know, is it going to be a gift? Are they going to are they going to invest it and then burn those tokens? That might be an interesting way to go about it, you know. Um, or are they going to invest it into the treasury for their own to for their own benefit, uh, you know, for their own long term benefit? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll definitely see. It will be interesting to see. And that's uh, that kind of brings us into our last point here, which you know a lot of people don't understand, or maybe they do understand, but they don't always think about it. I know I don't, but the the way you know people are asking, why isn't Bitcoin hitting fifty thousand? You know, what's taking it so long? Why isn't it climbing faster? Um, and you know, I really see there, there's right now with the volume. I see one major factor keeping it from moving up much faster. And that's the fact that every time a Bitcoin a Bitcoin transaction is completed, every time a block is mined to verify transactions on the Bitcoin blockchain, there is a reward that is given out to the miners in the form of Bitcoin, free Bitcoin. That's how that's how all Bitcoin has ever been created ever. You know that, right, Michael? Yeah. Yeah. So every Bitcoin that's ever been created has been as a part of a miner verifying transactions on the blockchain. And so one of the things that I think people often look past, and we'll talk about why Ethereum is trying to solve this problem, and I think they've got a good they've got a good path forward on solving it. But with Bitcoin right now, you still have a lot of transactions where there's just low volume. And and the other thing here too is is that people also don't understand that a transaction, and, and this was the problem early on with Bitcoin. My problem early on with Bitcoin is I used to buy Bitcoin uh, when it was three, four, five cents, ten cents, dollar, two dollars, five dollars, ten dollars, and I stopped buying it around twenty dollars. And the reason why I stopped buying it around the twenty to fifty dollar mark is I never saw a way, especially in the early days, how they were coming up with a price. Because there were no exchanges. There were no uh, centralized methods for calculating a price. It was basically just people saying, hey, I want $20 for my Bitcoin. And people would pay it, right? And that, that is a form of... But also what I noticed early on in the Bitcoin days was that there were rings, networks of computers that were just sending around transactions to themselves, making it look like there's volume happening on a, on a chain when there really wasn't anything happening. It was just networks of computers paying small fees to create to create synthetic volume. And so now let's come back to let's come back to today and now. Just because just because a block gets mined 
it doesn't mean that $65,000 traded hands. It could just be somebody moving something from one wallet to another. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and that's actually happening. Yeah. And that's actually happening a lot right now. What we're seeing is people are moving big, you know, because we're kind of in this bearish bullish, you know, line we're walking right here. People are trying to position themselves for the next move. Is the is the you know is the coin going to take a fall? And this is this is in general crypto, but we're just focusing on Bitcoin for pur- purposes of this talk. But you know when crypto or when Bitcoin rather right now it has this low price volume on exchanges, but it has a lot of movement because everybody's moving off exchanges. They're moving into private wallets. Um, those are transactions that turn into mineable events that turn into what? More Bitcoins. Right. More Bitcoins. And so when more Bitcoin, so that 50, let's say the Bitcoin was at $49,000 and everybody's like, holy shit, I need to take my, my Bitcoin off my Trezor because it's about to hit 50,000. I've got to move it off my hard, my, my, uh, you know, my um, a cold storage wallet. I got to bring it into an exchange because technically you can't cash out like, you want to get your money out of Coinbase? You gotta move your bitcoins into Coinbase, and and you want to move your bitcoins into Coinbase? You have to put in a transaction that gets mined. So technically, what happens is is all these people who are making moves, trying to position themselves, getting either into exchanges, off of exchanges, whatever that is, they're doing that, but they're creating more bitcoins in the process of doing that, and so no more money's come in. No more money's gone out, but what's happened is the supply of Bitcoin has gone up. Mm-hmm. And so Bitcoin keeps getting diluted. So in this, when you have low volume on the exchanges, but you have high volume in mining, you have this effect. Does it make sense, Michael? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's you know, in, it's inflationary. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to go as far as to. You're right. Yes, yes. I don't want to go as far as to paint it that way because it has a set amount of tokens and all this, you know, all this kind of stuff. Right. But you know, but it definitely right now, right now, it's not a situation that paints itself well for um, you know current price action, current price movement. And I think because there are right. so many people moves and there's there's so much going on within the blockchain that doesn't involve directly involve people buying or selling Bitcoin because everybody's kind of waiting to see what happens. You're going to continue to have this, this price action that doesn't move very much. It's not going to be the same thing that was happening. I think, uh, at least for the next month, month and a half, we'll have to see, but, but, uh, you know, on the other side of the coin, ha ha ha, uh-huh. Ethereum, <laughs> Ethereum has done the opposite, right? Yeah. So they have they have opted to they started the burn. So you know I think that while both both have that same capacity of even though Ethereum may not be bought, it may I, I know you've heard about a lot of Ethereum being moved off centralized exchanges. Have you heard about that? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of, lot of Ethereum has been moved off of exchanges. And when that happens, again, you're minting, you're minting Ethereum every time that happens. That's how miners technically get paid is in not just the gas fee, but the minting of more Ethereum. So, you know, the burn definitely helps counteract that 
uh, Ethereum price movement when it's just people moving around tokens and not necessarily buying tokens. Because that's a lot of, especially with all the NFTs going around, especially with that, you know? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of, oh, my gosh. There's so, I mean, there's so much going on right now with NFTs that it, and it's creating, um, and people move those NFTs all the time, Michael. I know you have NFTs. Let me ask you this. Do you, do you move those around in your wallets at all? Uh, I have not. Uh, I have not. Um, I will eventually, probably. But uh, no, I, I don't really see a reason to move them right now uh, for me. So I've got a friend of mine who owns um, some very, very nice pieces of crypto artwork. Like he owns the Crypto Bull. I should have Robert on here to talk about this stuff because he has some really cool, he has some really cool art that he holds. But he holds a Crypto Bull, which is a Trevor Jones uh, piece of artwork, and he's got the he's got the actual one that Trevor Jones hung, you know, got got uh, printed and hung on his wall. It's really cool. But he moves them around to you know that that piece of artwork is worth. Sh- Two hundred thousand dollars, hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars as an NFT. Yeah, and he he moves these to his cold storage wallet, and then he'll bring them on chain for a little bit, and you know to see if he can get some money for them. He'll put them up on, uh, you know, uh, Nifty Gateway or some of these other places where you can sell uh, sell these tokens. And so he moves them, and every time he moves those Nifties around, and I know a lot of other people that are doing that too. Like, um, you know, some people are um, consolidating. Um, they buy on different wallets and then they consolidate them. And there's, there are some groups also, uh, there are some big buying groups. I think, uh, my friends have some theories that you've heard about some of these big NFTs going for like 1 million, 2 million ridiculous amounts of money. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I, we personally don't think that it's, it's, uh, one buyer. We think it's groups of buyers who are getting together to buy this stuff and, um, uh, you know, their groups. And so when you have that group, the, the tokens tend to move around a lot more. I just think that both, both chains, really most chains that are not working in proof of stake, um, they have this price movement. So a lot of people are asking me why Bitcoin isn't moving up a lot faster if there's still a lot of activity. And I think that's what it is. I think it's, it's a lot of just every time you're minting a 65 or a $50,000 token and you're minting three or four of them and you're minting them, you know, every few minutes, that's a lot of dilution happening. Yeah, that is. It is. It's tons of dilution happening. I, I think, you know, it's interesting. Probably we could do the math and figure out how much dilution is happening. Let me actually, I'm going to look at that real quick. So how many Bitcoins mined per day? Let's see. Oh, man. Okay. So... 900 new Bitcoins are mined per day right now with the current complexity. Mm-hmm. So at the current at the current rate of, let's just say, 47,000, it's a pretty good average price that's going on right now. Yeah. Wow. Do you know how much that is per day of mined Bitcoins? Yeah. Yeah. No. How much is it? Take a get $42 million. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So do you... You see what I'm saying, Michael? Yeah. And, and, and like if we say per day, so in 30 days, what is that? One point times 30. So that is <laughs> one, one point two trillion, uh, no, sorry, $1.2 billion per month 
of mind? Yes. Yes. So you see what I'm saying, Michael? Like this, this, this is uh, this is a little bit uh, with Bitcoin specifically. It's why I wanted to bring it up with Bitcoin specifically. To me, there's a little bit of. No, I'm just gonna say it. There's danger here in in what's going on with Bitcoin right now, and I just don't think people understand it. And I think that also exchanges don't take this into consideration because exchanges just take into consideration what you're willing to buy and sell it for. That's it. They just take into consideration the last buy and the last sell. But are they taking into consideration the 1.2 billion, Michael, billion per month that's getting flooded on the market? It's generated. It's generated out of thin air, Michael. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting to think about. Isn't it? So, you know, a lot of these Bitcoin maximalists, when you talk with them about it, they, they just don't want to talk about these things. Mm-hmm. And I love talking about them because I think they're interesting. I think they, they really test the concept of what specifically Bitcoin is. And I, I know that we, we've already said, uh, let's, let's look at Ethereum. How much uh, ETH is mined per day? Let's get a quick uh, baseline on both. I think we, we uh, so... This potentially solve a block. Um, not seeing the same. So, uh, most Ethereum blocks is Ethereum block. Eighteen million ether are mined every year. So, eighteen million. Yeah, eighteen million times. Let's call it three grand. So, with Ethereum. With Ethereum, you're looking at 54 billion per year. Um, man, so really, both have this, uh, both have same, a similar, uh, um, you know, issue going on right now. But Ethereum has gotten smart about using the burn mm-hmm. to counteract this activity. You know, where Bitcoin is not doing that. Bitcoin is just mining and putting new new tokens on the market every second, every hour. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? It's going to be interesting to see as, as more people adopt crypto to see where, where this goes, you know, the price is going to do what the price is going to do, but uh, more people need to enter the ecosystem. I think. Does it scare you, Mike? Does it scare you, Michael? Um, not enough to stop. <laughs> I think that's just our addiction talking. Because <laughs> yeah. I feel the yeah. exact same way. We love crypto. We're addicted to crypto at this point, right? So we're not going anywhere. I think we we are uh, both. I speak for both of us, I think, when I say we are um, anesthetized to the uh, feeling of you know big gains and big losses at this point, right, Michael? So it doesn't make a difference. We love it. We love the future and what crypto brings to the future. Absolutely. So well, I think with that, we'll. Oh, did you want to say something else? No, no, nope. Okay, so I was going to say I think with that we'll go ahead and sign it off. So uh, thanks for joining us again today, Michael. I always enjoy it. I always enjoy you being a co-host here on the Crypto Conquest with me. Um, 
you have a fantastic weekend, my friend. And to everybody out there listening to us, thanks for joining the Crypto Conquest this week. And we'll be back. Uh, we're we're going to turn this into a daily podcast here. Um, so keep joining and keep watching. Share this with your friends. Hit us up, uh, admin at CryptoConquest.org if you have any questions. Uh, we'd love to talk to you. We love everybody out there. And we really appreciate you joining in today. Have a great weekend, Michael, and the world at large. We'll do, John. Have a good one. You too. Thanks.